we got a literal depiction of time crunch. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't Pastor Todd love that pun? Kyle, Todd would be so proud of me for that pun. But when I see those little guys earlier getting squished, don't we sometimes feel like that? So I, I, I love this thought, but particularly when we think of time crunch, how do we deal with the pressures of time? Now, I submit to you, we all have it, but the pressures are different at different seasons of life. I was thinking back when I was younger and in school, time pressure for me was I was always in a hurry to get to the next level. Whatever grade I was, I wanted to get a little further on. And I thought, when I get there, then I'm going to be happy. I never seemed to be able to stop and smell the roses and enjoy each season of life. I couldn't wait to turn 15 because in Louisiana, you got your driver's license at 15. I couldn't wait to get to college. I was just always in a hurry, and I miss the moment of every day. So that was the pressure I faced when I was younger. Then when I got out of school, uh, was working in a career, had a family, raising children, the pressures were different. To be honest with you, that was my favorite season of life. I loved those years, but honestly, we were so busy, so much going on at the church and trying to hold it together and maintain all the family activities and child activities. Many times we were exhausted, we were tired, a lot of pressure to meet the demands that we faced. In fact, Debbie and I talked, those years for us were like a, a train going down the track and the brakes were out. It was just fast, we were trying to keep it in the rails and not miss those moments that were precious, and we knew that. And yet there was a lot of demands on our time. And honestly, I would love to go back and live those years over again. Um, I'd like to go back and live some of my school years over again um, and do it better this time. But I was thinking back to the time pressures that I face now, and I was trying to think how to delicately put the season of life I am now, and I think the best way is think of the empty nest season that I'm here. Again, time pressures are really different than those other two. Now my time pressures are, do I use my time wisely? Do I make quality decisions to further the kingdom of God? Do I use my life to be a blessing to others? What that means is, with my time, am I aware not to get so wrapped up in the mundane parts of life, not to get aggravated by all the things that are wrong, and I'm aware not to be selfish with my time? But to realize my time is a gift to be shared with others. In fact, I have a problem that I may be the only one here, but I have to be mindful of and convicted of, and that I can be guilty sometimes of watching too much TV and spending too much time with technology, too much time with an iPad and with a phone and with a laptop and with a computer, and I'm not always available for those quality God moments that I should have. It's one of the pressures that we face. So the challenge is it doesn't matter what season of life we are, are we aware of the precious nature of time and the calling to use our time well? And we're going to see that in our scripture lesson for today, a classic passage from the book of James. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn now to James chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 13 through 17. James 4, 13 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? 
for you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. What is James saying? I love this book of James. It is full of wisdom of real life issues. And what he says is we get so busy with our schedules and our plans and we live like we're in charge and and we get arrogant with our time. Sometimes we boast thinking that we're in charge. And what he says is you you are not. Our life is a mist. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We need to have that understanding as we look at how we use our time. I love how one biblical commentator put it as he analyzed this passage. It's just very profound. He said, the true Christian is not to be terrorized into fear and paralyzed into inaction by the uncertainty of the future, but to commit the future and all of our plans into the hands of God. That's our business, our schedules, our plans, our agendas. We put them into the hands of God, and we beware of the warning of verse 16 and 17. Don't think like we're in charge. Don't boast. That's evil. Because if we do that and live like we're in charge of our schedule, we commit sin. So how do we not commit that sin? How do we put our lives and our time into the hands of God? That's what I want to think about. And I want to make three suggestions for us, and we're going to think about some words we associate with time, and we're going to do a twist on it to help us be able to remember. So here's the first one. Think of hours and hours. Hours and hours. Our time is not our own. We don't need to be arrogant and boast as if we're in charge. Uh, Time, we are stewards of what God is giving us, and we need to be aware that it's not my time. It's my time and God's time together. It's our time. It's not your time. It's your time and God's time. We manage this, our time, with God in the midst of our lives, with that awareness that our time is ours, mine and yours and God's. I love what Psalm 90 said, this profound word. So teach us, Lord, to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Count our days that this is the Lord's time we have been given, and wisdom comes when we understand that. So if it's going to be our time, mine and God's, seems like every day we need to spend with God. We need to pray. We need to listen. Every single day we ought to say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do for you today? What do I need to be tuned into? What do I not need to miss? How can I live my life with you and for you today? Because when we do this, what will happen is automatically we'll start living the great verse of the beloved hymn in the garden. And this will be what our walk in life will be. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. You see, it's our time with God and he wants to walk with us and talk with us and help us all be reminded of his presence. I know we've all been following the horrific story of the fires in Maui and the destruction of the villages there. It's been horrible and painful to see, especially horrible in that we have some dear friends 
former church members who lived there. Luckily, they are safe, but they suffered great loss. And so we've been fi- trying to figure out as a church how to help. Pastor Joy has been in touch with the Methodist pastor in that community. We're going to take a communion offering for them in a few weeks, and we're working to see ways that we could partner with this community. But it's amazing to me as I see the scenes, and they're still searching for bodies and trying to assess what's going on and come up with an action plan. I always just have this thought that hits me. Think about the folks in those communities the day before the fire. They were exactly like us. They were thinking about going to work. They had plans. They had dreams. They had things they were going to do on the weekend. They probably had vacations coming up and weddings they were going to celebrate. Their minds were filled with a thousand different things of the routines of life, never knowing that the very next day their worlds were going to be turned upside down. Every time we see a disaster like that, it's a reminder to all of us that we are not in control. We're all part of the huge sweep of history, and we have a small part of what God is doing in the midst of the world. And you and I know as we live our lives, all of us will have moments of triumph and moments of tragedy moments of great joy and moments of great sorrow and suffering, but through it all, God holds us in the palm of his hands, and he walks with us and he talks with us. It's not our time. It's not our plans. He is with us. It is our time together with God. You remember Peggy Noonan? She was one of President Reagan's speechwriters. Just an amazing writer. I loved her work. I love uh, the books that she has written. Really a very talented person. Several years ago, she wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal that really stuck with me. Listen to her profound thoughts that really speak to this. She quoted in her article a great speech from Tom Stoppard's play, Arcadia. The scene is set when the great library of ancient Alexandria, Egypt, burns down. A young scholar is upset and says to her teacher, can you bear it? All the lost plays of the Athenians, thousands of poems, Aristotle's own library. How can we sleep for grief? Her teacher was very wise. This was how he responded to her, by counting our stock. Don't grieve, he says. We shed as we pick up, like travelers who must carry everything in their arms. And what we let fall will be picked up by those behind. The procession is very long, and life is very short. We die on the march. The missing plays of Sophocles will turn up piece by piece or be written again in another language. Mathematical discoveries glimpsed and lost to view will have their time again. But I love that line, we die on the march. It's not our time. It's not our plans. We live with God. And every step of the way, he is with us. And when we get that, that it's ours with God, we're going to have a different perspective that will change how we see life and spend our time. Then the second lesson. So we have hours, and then we have minutes. And with minutes, I want us to think of minutia, and that is the little things of life. You see, the guy that James is writing at has got big things on his mind, big plans, big dreams, big opportunities ahead of him. 
but he was forgetting that faith is lived, life is lived in the moment, in the minutia, in the ordinary, one little thing at a time. And sometimes we miss it because we're not tuned in. We need to be aware that God appears and moves and works in the minutia, in the ordinary moments of life. I've been reading a book, Max Licato's latest book on the Holy Spirit. It's just marvelous if you haven't seen it. And in there, he tells a story about his wife that really gets to the heart of this. He says this, his wife was shopping for groceries and she noticed a mother being pushed in a wheelchair by her teenage children. The mother was frail and pale. An oxygen tube was wrapped beneath her nose. Denilin felt prompted to help her, but how? The answer came as Denilin waited behind the mother in the checkout line. The Holy Spirit told her to pay for the woman's groceries. And instantly she said, of course. And she told me later, I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner. The shopper was surprised and grateful. Denilin gave the payment and the family said, thank you. And Denilin was thrilled. She described the moment as the highlight of her day. And I love how Max Licato reflected on that moment. He said, take that small event and multiply it by 2.3 billion. That's the number of Christians in the world. Suppose each of us each day responded to the prompting of the Spirit to bless someone else. Acts of kindness, words of encouragement. Might revival happen in our day? God's Spirit is going to pour out a revival. When it's going to come, how it's going to come, what it's going to look like, we don't know. But we know how God is going to make it happen. One little act of faith, one little act of love, it's going to be in the minutia of the ordinary because that's how God encounters us. So we need to be aware of the hours and the minutes and then the seconds. And our play on word is I want us to understand that in life, we always don't get second chances. In life, there's some moments that occur that aren't going to come back again. And we need to be aware. We need to seize the day. We need to live in the moment. This is the day the Lord has made as the choir sang for us. It's one of the essential teachings of Jesus. We need to be aware of that. This life is not a dress rehearsal. Every day we need to be tuned in. We need to be aware. We need to make it count. We don't need to let the moments of life get by from us because we don't always get second chances. I was thinking back, one of the great days of my life was March 14, 2016, two days before my daughter Chandler died. The Chandler worked at the church, and I did something that day that is so unlike me. It's not my nature. I never did that before. But that day, all of a sudden, I thought, you know, I went to Chandler. Chandler, why don't we play hooky from the staff meeting and the staff lunch. I don't want to do that. Would you go to lunch with me? Now, Chandler was always up for playing hooky. So we agreed to do that. And so we went to our favorite restaurant. We went to El Phoenix at Grapevine. And we went, and they seemed to seat us at the same table. And we went, and we had lunch, and we laughed, and we talked. And we had the greatest time. And I also did something weird that day that I didn't do. It's not like me. Never did it before, and that as we walked to the car, we held hands. And it was just this wonderful, wonderful touching moment that I never knew those would, that would be the last time I would spend with Chandler. And I am so thankful 
when the Spirit prompted me, I responded because I treasure that moment and I hate to think what would have happened if I missed that moment. My friends, we don't always get second chances. You know, I can't believe it's been 20 years now since Tim McGraw's famous song, Live Like You Were Dying. Y'all remember that? It came out in 2004. So our young people here, you got to go to the oldies channel and find that song. But it's worth listening to. I want our young folk to go find it because it's our sermon. When you take in the words of that song, it's exactly what James is saying to us about how we're supposed to live, and we need to learn that lesson. Remember, the song is about a man facing a serious illness, and it changed his life perspective. He all of a sudden realized that life is a mist, that we're not promised tomorrow. And so he started doing all those things he wanted to do that he had been putting off. He decided to live in the moment and do it. He understood that we don't get second chances. And my friends, I wonder about all of us. Will we take this scripture seriously and learn the lesson? We're not in charge of our time. Life is a mist. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Can we live every day? as if it were our last. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this powerful scripture from James that shows us how we're supposed to live, that reminds us that every day is a gift, that life itself is a mist. We're not promised tomorrow. We need to learn to treasure the hours of life and that is to know that it's not my time or your time, it's our time with God. And may we be tuned into how he wants us to live. And may we be aware of the minutia of life. It's the little things, it's the little acts that are the beauty that define our story of faith. And Lord, teach us all we don't get second chances. May we be tuned in, and when the Spirit prompts us, may we act, and may we live, and may we seize the moments May we live every day as if it were our last. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.